38 is where we are. Today I want to talk to you on the subject, generosity that keeps on giving. Give. And it shall be given unto you. Good measure. Pressed down. Shaken together. Running over. Shall men give unto your bosom. For with the same measure that ye meet. With all it shall be measured to you again. Generosity that keeps on giving. His name is Stephen King. That name may ring a bell for some of you. He's an author of 49 suspense novels that have sold over 350 million copies. Some of his novels have been made into blockbuster films. I bring his name up today not as an endorsement but to illustrate a principle. He's a diehard Boston Red Sox fan, bless his heart. So the Red Sox always appear somewhere in his novels. A few years ago, Stephen King, the famous author and filmmaker, nearly lost his life. He was walking along a lone, desolate country road where he lived in Maine. And a van came by and hit him, knocked him in a ditch, nearly killed him. His legs were crushed to the point that the doctors considered amputating his legs. But he managed somehow to pull through. That near-death experience, ever since then, has radically changed him. I'm not saying he's a Christian, but he has a much different perspective on life than he did before the accident. He's now an outspoken advocate of generosity. Here's an excerpt from a commencement address he gave to the graduates of Vassar College shortly after his accident and his recovery. And I want you to listen to what he said. And I quote Stephen King. He said, I found out what you can't take it with you means. I found that out while I was lying in the ditch at the side of a country road covered with mud and blood with the tibia of my right leg poking out of my jeans. He said, I had a master card in my wallet. (laughs) But when you're lying in a ditch with broken glass in your hair, no one accepts MasterCard. We all know that life life is ephemeral. But on that particular day and in the months that followed, I got a painful but extremely valuable look at life's simple backstage truths, he said. We come in naked and broke. We may be dressed up when we go out, but when we go out, we're going out just as broke. Warren Buffett, he said, is going to go out broke. Bill Gates is going out broke. Tom Hanks is going out broke. And Stephen King is going out broke. Not even a dime 
All the money you earn, all the stocks you buy, all the mutual funds you trade, all of that is mostly smoke and mirrors, he said. So I want you to consider making your life one long gift to others. And why not? All you have right now is on loan to you anyway. All that lasts is what you pass on. You see, we have the power to help, the power to change. And why should we refuse? Because we're going to take it with us? Oh, please. Right now, we have the power to do great good for others. So I ask you to begin giving and to consider and to continue as you began. I think you'll find in the end that in doing this, You got far more than you ever had. And you did way more good than you could ever dream. End of quote. You say, preacher, why do you quote Stephen King in your Sunday morning sermon? I don't know the man personally. But I believe his philosophy about giving and generosity is true. And it's not true because Stephen King says it. It's true because Jesus Christ says it. Because this principle was established thousands and thousands of years ago before Stephen King ever graced this world. He's simply echoing a biblical truth and a biblical principle that because our God is a generous God... He wants us as his people to be generous with what he's given to us. Now, nobody in this room likes to think of themselves as a greedy or stingy person. We all like to gauge ourselves by one another. I'm as generous as the next guy. But are we as generous as God is? It's interesting that Philip Yancey, the biblical commentator and writer, says, the Bible asks three things of us about our relationship to money. Number one, how did you get it? Number two, what are you doing with it? Number three, what's your money doing to you? That last one is probably the most telling question that we could ask ourselves. What's it doing to us? At the heart of our ability to be generous is what our money is doing to us. Is it withering our hearts and making us stingy? Or is it making us big-hearted and benevolent? I bring to you this thought today, this quote, Money doesn't change people. It only unmasks Think about that statement. Money doesn't change us. It only reveals us. And I want to boldly and biblically this morning advocate for God's people to embrace lives of generosity. Not a one-time event or an annual commitment, but a daily decision. That's what true Christian biblical generosity is. 
It's something lived out every day. It's a decision you and I make every single day. Why? Because, friend, I'll say to you today, it all goes back to the generosity of God. That generosity that He has so lavishly poured out on you and I. Consider Romans chapter 8, verse 32. Listen carefully where Paul said about God that He spared not His own Son, but He delivered Him up for us all. So how shall He, not with Jesus, also freely give us all things? Paul's point was that if God the Father is so generous as to give us Jesus, then He is also generous enough to give us every single thing else that we need. So why worry? Why fret? Why wring your hands and wipe your brow wondering how in the world you're going to make it through because he says based on the fact that God the Father gave the pearl of great price, Jesus, he gave it all when he gave his son so you know he's going to give you every single thing that you need. Our God's a generous God. David said he daily loadeth us with blessings and benefits. Can you think of a day that you've lived your life where God didn't express His goodness to you in some way? Whether it be the air that you breathe or the ability to put two cognitive thoughts together. God gave you that ability. God gave you the air in your lungs. God gave us every single thing that we have. Our God is a generous God. And you and I as his people have been called by him to reflect that same generosity. So I challenge you this morning to embrace a life of generosity because your God is the God of generosity. And a Christian who refuses to live generously is a poor representation of our God. I bring you three thoughts this morning from the passage that we read. I want you to keep your Bible open. I want you to see these verses with me together this morning. First of all, I'd like to tell you that generosity is reflective of a genuine faith in Christ. It reflects that you have a genuine faith in the Lord. It's interesting as you study Luke chapter 6. The very context of the principle and the command that Jesus gave here. This whole section is part of what's called the Sermon on the Mount. You'll find even the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5 down through chapter 7. It contains specific instructions about what genuine spirituality looks like. That's what the Sermon on the Mount deals with. Genuine spirituality. What does it look like in your life and mine? You could sum up the Sermon on the Mount by saying it shows us what kingdom living and kingdom life is all about. Leon Morris said this section deals with the love that Jesus wants us as his people to display. A love that doesn't judge other people with a critical spirit. Referencing verse 37 where he says, Judge not and ye shall not be judged. Condemn not and ye shall not be condemned. Forgive and ye shall be forgiven. That has to do with our relationship with others and exhibiting that same non-judgmental, non-critical spirit. He's not saying don't be discerning. He's not saying don't be wise. He's not saying don't make good evaluations. He's speaking here of somebody's spirit and judging somebody 
with a judgmental, a critical, a hypocritical spirit. That's his point in verse 37. He goes on to talk about a love that seeks to express generosity here in verse 38. And he's basically saying this is how you live if you're a Christian. This is to mark your life. Going all the way back up where he talks about verse 27. I say to you which here love your enemies. Do good to them which hate you. What? That's countercultural. That's counterintuitive. That doesn't make a lick of sense from a human perspective at all. That's why, friend, listen carefully. Jesus isn't given perspective from a human standpoint. He's given his heavenly perspective on the issue. And you know that human perspective differs and is in total contrast to God's perspective. God says, I want you to hear me. I want you to love your enemies. See, your flesh in the world says to hate your enemies and to despise and to get back at your enemies and to bring retribution on your enemies. But Jesus says, I want you to love them and bless them. Keep reading down. He says, bless them, verse 28, which curse you. Pray for them which despitefully use you. And unto them that smiteth thee on the one cheek, offer the other Him that taketh away thy cloak forbid not to take thy coat also. Give to everybody that asks. Verse 31. And as ye would uh, that men should do unto you, you do also to them likewise. It's the principle do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Now, never forget, Jesus didn't say do unto others as they do unto you. Neither did he say you do unto others before they do unto you. He said, you treat others like you want them to treat you. That's, that's countercultural. Keep reading. For if you love them which love you, what thank you have ye? For sinners also love those that love them. In other words, he's saying, don't pat yourself on the back if the only people you show love for is the people that love you or do good to you. Unredeemed, unregenerated people live that way. There's nothing spectacular about that kind of living. There's nothing exceptional about that life. Verse 34. If you lend to them of whom ye hope to receive, what thank have ye? For sinners also lend to sinners to receive as much again. I tell you what, I'm going to give to this person because I think they're going to give back to me. Jesus says lost people live that way. Heathens live that way. You give to me, I'll give to you. You scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. You love me, I'll love you. You nice to me, I'll be nice to you. You kind to me, I'll show you kindness. You bring me food, I'll bring you food. You visit me in the hospital, I'll go visit you. You send me a card, I'll send you a card. You make me a meal, I'll make you one. You come to me in my time of need, I'll come to you in your time of need. Jesus said, that's not how I want you to live. You see, God's called us as his people, as children of his kingdom, to live on a higher plane. Are you hearing me? Are you hearing me this morning? To live on a different plane. You see, it's easy to get cozy in cultural Christianity here in Wayne County. Because what do we say? 
Well, everybody's saved. No, they're not. Well, everybody goes to church. Lie number two. No, they don't. Their papa might have been a member of such and such church, but that don't mean they go every Sunday. I want you to know that on any given Sunday in Wayne County, do you realize that there's only really, honestly, about 10% of Wayne County's population that's faithful to church on any given Sunday? Really? Yeah, really. 10%. One out of 10. You go to work tomorrow, and if they're from this area, you say, hey, you part of a church? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm a member of a church. Really? What church? Oh, that one down yonder, ask him who the preacher is. Ask him what he preached on Sunday. Well, well, we didn't go Sunday. Well, I mean, we... Okay, when's the last time you went? But they don't live Christian. Most folks around us don't live this way, do they? Many of us in this room don't live this way. Jesus said, I'm telling you, I'm calling you to live on a different plane. I'm, I'm not calling you to live the natural life. I'm calling you to live, listen carefully, the supernatural life. I'm calling you, on you to live a way that, 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 that is Christ's life in you. Keep on reading. Verse 35, love your enemies, do good, lend, hoping for nothing again. That's not even how we love our friends. Right? We love our friends by, hey, you're my friend, I'll do this for you. But deep down we're hoping and thinking and saying, and I hope one day they do back to me. Jesus said, don't live that way. Your reward shall be great, and you shall be children of the highest. For he is kind even unto the unthankful and unto the evil. (laughs) Jesus blesses the unthankful. Jesus blesses the evil. Jesus gives to those that don't deserve it. Hmm. You know what we say? One time I helped somebody, I helped somebody, and they didn't even thank me. I ain't helping them again. That's what he's talking about right here. I ain't going to do anything for that ingrate. I tell you what, they don't have enough sense to even say thank you. I've had people tell me, I've had preachers tell me, talking about other folks that they've done stuff for, and said, man, can you believe it? They didn't even send me a thank you card. Yeah, I can believe it. Because that's human nature, right? It's human nature to be greedy. It's human nature to be thoughtless. It's human nature to be self-centered and self-motivated. It's not human nature to think above ourselves and outside of ourselves. So when we do things for other people and we get no reciprocation, Jesus said, join the club. That's okay. Because you're not to be keeping a record anyway. I'm the one keeping a record. And if I bless those that won't bless me in return as my children and children of the kingdom, I'm calling on you to live the same way. 
amen or oh me. Love your enemies, he said. Be merciful. Stop having a critical spirit and give. Be generous. Because, friend, generosity reflects that you have a genuine faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's interesting what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 9, 7. Every man, according as he purposes in his heart, so let him give. Watch this now, watch this. Not grudgingly. Here comes the offering plate again. Honey, go ahead and write that check again. Brother. Another announcement about faith gives. I thought we just did this. Not grudgingly. In fact, if I understand what Jesus is saying throughout the whole Bible when it comes to giving, if that's my attitude when it comes time to give, Jesus says, listen now, keep keep it. Just keep it. Because it ain't doing anybody any good at all. If that's your spirit. Here's what took me a while to learn. I want you to listen. You know what I learned? Jesus doesn't need Christian pals money. And he doesn't need yours. So if you have a problem given to Jesus, Jesus says... Keep it. Because you're not honoring him when you give with a stinky attitude anyway. Keep your money. And many of you do. Well, I'm going to impress God. I'm going to tip God. No. Nobody tips God. Nobody impresses God. If you think you're going to impress God and that's your only motivation, look at, Lord, look at what I did. Look at what I did. God says, keep it. Because he don't need your money and he doesn't need mine. We don't give because God needs our money. We give to express his generosity. That's the whole point of giving. We're reflecting Jesus. Yes, he's told us to tithe, but you know why I tithe? It's not because God needs my tithe. It's because I need to be obedient to him, and I reflect his giving in his heart and his generosity when I give the tithe. When I give over and above a tithe, I'm reflecting his generosity. It's not Jesus is standing in heaven, wringing his hands because, oh, uh uh-oh, faith church is going to be short this week. This is Jesus' church. And Jesus is going to take care of faith church. And he's going to use you and me to do it. But if you choose not to get in on that blessing, brother, sister, he'll use somebody else to do it. 
But if I don't get in on what he's doing, listen carefully, I'm the loser. Not God. It's me. He said, don't give grudgingly. Don't give what an attitude. But God loves a cheerful giver. God is not impressed by grudge giving, and he's not impressed by guilt giving. He's impressed by grace giving. Second thought I want to give you. Generosity is required for a life of scriptural obedience. Raise your hand this morning. If you want to be a scriptural Christian, raise your hand. Some of you are like, I don't know if I don't raise my hand or not. What's he, what's he setting us up for? I believe you do. I believe you do. You know I cannot be scriptural and I cannot be obedient without being a giver. you're not a giving Christian today then friend you're not an obedient Christian you're just not you're not obedient over and over and over and over again he says to give, give, give give, give, give give I don't give to others, if I don't give to his local church, if I don't give to God, I'm not being obedient. This is a command. Jesus is saying, I want you to give. I want you to be a giver. It is said that on the wall of President Lyndon Johnson's White House Oval Office, hung a framed letter written by General Sam Houston to President Johnson's great-granddaddy, George Washington Baines. LBJ was named, his middle name is Baines, named after his great-grandfather. He lived a hundred years before LBJ. He was a preacher, a Baptist preacher. Moved, was actually born in North Carolina, by the way, little trivia, insignificant trivia fact there. Moved to the deep south, lived in Arkansas, eventually made his way to Texas to pastor and preach. He became an evangelist. But Preacher Baines led Sam Houston to Jesus. Houston was a changed man. He was no longer coarse or belligerent, but peaceful and content. The day came for Sam Houston to be baptized. It was an incredible event for those who knew him. After his baptism, Sam Houston offered to pay half the salary for that local minister, his pastor there in the area. When somebody asked Sam Houston, why on earth would you want to do that? Sam Houston's reply was, my pocketbook was baptized too. (laughs) His point was that Jesus not only changed my heart and my life, he changed my pocketbook. 
And that's not just a cute story. It's true. Because see, before you get saved, you're self-centered. You're selfishly motivated. You're governed by greed at the core. But the transformation comes by Christ. And when that transformation, transformation comes, he transforms us from head to toe, inside and out. Our very nature is changed. That's why people go from being greedy to being generous. That's why people go from being hateful to being loving. That's why people go from being coarse to being appropriate and to be pleasant. Because Jesus makes that change. And I close with this this morning. Listen carefully. Number three, generosity is reciprocated in this life and in the next. Give, that's the command. And then here's what follows. And it shall be given unto you. And then Jesus goes on to explain to what extent good measure. I was talking about a measure of grain. Pressed down, the pressing down the meal, the corn, the grain was with the hand. Shaken together after they'd press it down, then they'd shake it together Then it'll be running over. They would also, after they did that, they'd pour it into the measure until the measure ran over. They poured it out into this. And he says, that's how uh, running over, pouring in, uh, running over. He said, shall men give unto your bosom? In that time, the ancients wore these long, wide, loose garments. And when they were about to carry anything which their hands could not contain... They used the fold of their robe in nearly the same way as women here use their aprons. And they take the folds and they take it up like that to form a little pouch and a little basket. And when they went to the market to get the grain, the seller of the grain, in order to make sure that he gave them what they paid for, press it down with his hand. He'd shake it together. He'd pour it to the rim and overflowing and then he'd pour it out into their homemade pouch. Jesus said just as those men in the market will pour that out and they'll be careful to give back what you deserve, what you've paid for. He said, I want you to understand that when you give, I'm taking notice and I promise you in this life and in the life to come, you will receive. It'll be given back to you. It's reciprocated. Give and it shall be given unto you. And then he said, with the same measure that you pour it out, that's the same measure that you'll receive it back. Well, I gave such and such. and it ne- No, no, no. You've never, never given in Jesus' name with the right attitude that Jesus didn't recognize and reward in some way. Proverbs 11.25, the liberal soul shall be made fat. He that watereth shall be watered also himself. Proverbs 19.17, he that has pity on the poor gives or lends unto the Lord. And that which he has given, 
he will repay him again. Proverbs 22, 9, he that has a bountiful eye shall be blessed, for he gives of his bread to the poor. A bountiful eye, that's an eye that looks for an opportunity to give. Proverbs 28, 27, he that gives to the poor shall not lack, but he that hides his eyes shall have many a curse. 2 Corinthians 9, 6, but I say he which sows sparingly shall reap sparingly, but he which sows bountifully shall reap bountifully. Here's the takeaway. Number one, when you get serious about generosity, get ready to swim upstream. One writer said, by nature the concept of generosity is in direct conflict with the concept of self-preservation. And you're going to be swimming upstream, just go ahead and know it. Your culture won't understand it. Your coworkers won't understand it. And sometimes your own family members won't understand it. But he understands it. Get ready to swim upstream. Number two, when you get serious about generosity, opportunities to bless will abound. You'll start noticing. So-and-so needs help. Oh, I can be a help here. Oh, Lord, you've been good to me. I can be a blessing here. I can meet that need. Lord, I can't meet every need, but I can meet that need. That's what happens when you get serious about generosity. The Lord will not just open up your eyes. He'll open up opportunities in front of you, and he'll move on your heart. Yes, this is something you can do. How many of y'all have witnessed that and lived that? Say amen. That won't happen if you don't get serious about generosity. You see, the generous person isn't waiting for somebody to knock their door down. The generous person is looking for God to open up doors. Number three, when you get serious about generosity, stand back and watch God work in ways that will blow your mind. And you'll stand back and you'll watch God do something. I'm just telling you, I've lived it. I've lived it. You'll watch God do something. And you'll stand in amazement, and you'll say to yourself, Lord, I don't know how you did it, but you did that. I know you did. And some of y'all right now are nodding your head because you've seen him work, haven't you? You know. You know God can do this. We have the whole month of December to give. To join in, as we say, uh, faith gives time. Not just that our church will do something, but every ministry. Listen now, every class, every family, and every person will determine before the Lord 